We pray that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts this morning. Amen. Okay, so Christmas is coming. Yay! It's snowy outside. It's all great. Okay, so the question I want to ask this morning is picture an ideal Christmas. If you could have Christmas all the way that you would like it, what does that look like? Okay, close your eyes. Take a minute. Okay, now give me some... What are the things that you're picturing? What are the things that have come to mind? An open fire. Was that... Was that you agreeing, Ali? Excellent. So we've got an open, a fire in the fireplace. Excellent. What else? Family. Family. Yeah. Okay, give me a specific... Which family? Mine. <laughs> okay, is it nuclear family? Is it cousins? Okay, so extended family... Okay. Can I ask where family are meeting? My house. Your house. Okay. All the family? Yeah. Your house. Excellent. <laughs> I'm sure they'll go. Okay. So we've got um, an open fire, family, my house. Uh, what else? Food. Okay. okay. Fine. I need more specific. What food? Pigs in blankets. Turkey. Roast potatoes. Stuffing. Stuffing. Mm-hmm. What sort of stuff? Sage and onion? No, it's more. Well, Cadbury and stuffing has got more things in it. stuffing has got more things in it. Do I need to be really jealous at this point? Well, yeah, because what you would do is you would get the turkey, lizards, and what have you. You'd simply chop them up, you'd season them, you'd have them, you'd crack them, stuffing, and what have you, and you'd bake them. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, I'm going to just wrap that up as a proper stuffing. Excellent. Okay. So we've got proper stuffing. We've got roast potatoes. We've got turkey. Not pa- Oh heavens! How can it be Christmas with Paxo? Uh, pigs in blankets on the side. For my family, it was sausage meat. Just, just literally balls of sausage meat, fried, you know, fried in the oven. Uh, okay. What else do you need to have for it to be your ideal Christmas? Crackers, okay. Okay, so all the family going to the midnight service to, to doing it together, okay. So that sense of togetherness and being at church, lovely. Snow, snow, snow makes it Christmassy, okay. What do we reckon the odds are of this lasting till Christmas Day? Fair enough. Okay, it's, it's, it's funny because in my family there's a bit of a fight going on because we got to about two years ago and we have been, we have been fairly religious with Christmas ever since my brother was uh, 19 and reached the point where he was, going to, he was living with his girlfriend they would go to our, my parents one Christmas and her parents for Boxing Day 
and the next year swapped round. Which meant that when Ali and I got married, the, the pattern was set. So whatever year they were, we were the same as them for Christmas Day with my parents, Boxing Day in-laws, the next year Christmas Day in-laws, Boxing Day my parents. And it, it has been that way for time immemorial. And then suddenly, three years ago, my sister-in-law went, hang on, I want Christmas in my house. Why have I got to drive for an hour and a half on Christmas Day? This is ridiculous. We should change it. And war were declared. <laughs> As I was like, but how do you, you? It's not Christmas. It's not there. And so, oh, there was knock-on effects. There was, there was this argument rippled out all over the place. And I still remember when Ali and I were doing marriage preparation uh, with our, the vicar of our sending church. Uh, and it was all going really well. We're really ready to get married. We really want to get married. We're committed to this. It's fantastic. And then we said, right, well, it's almost lunchtime. So we've, we've finished this session. That's great. So what I want to do is we're going to go to set the table. So uh, could you just organise between yourself one question and then come join us, OK? Uh, and that is, where are you going to spend your first Christmas as a married couple? And you left the room. <laughs> and we both looked at each other. We were like, well, well my parents, obviously, but... My parents, obviously. It's like, well, why should it be your parents? Why should it be your parents? And, then, and it is... So you end up... Christmas can, can be this huge thing of compromise. Now, we have this conversation every year. The last three years has all been about who is Christmas for? Is it for the, the young children? Is it for the people who are most stubborn? And most kind of like, no, it has to be like this. Uh, and everyone wants to keep them happy. Why, why is it? And it just started me thinking that actually, for me, preparing for Christmas, the key thing for me is presents. Growing up, there was always lots of little presents. My mum would wrap countless things through the year, lose track of what she had, and then bring them down from the loft. So on Christmas Day, they might only be tiny things, they might not be worth very much, but you got to unwrap a lot of presents. And so when I prepare for Christmas, like, right, I, I need to get a present for everyone. Okay, now I need to get another present for them. And I need to probably think, oh, that looks good. They'll like that. I'll get that too. Oh, no, I've got two for them. And only one for them. I need to get and I end up by overbuying. I'm, I'm trying to be a lot better this year. But for me, it's about presents. And that's what makes Christmas Christmas. But it, it's not so for other people. And so you think, oh, how do you make this work? And clearly, the answer is, if we're looking at John's, uh, Mark's Gospel and John the Baptist, the answer is not to try. So here you have John the Baptist, who has the job of announcing Jesus' coming, which is basically the message of Christmas. And so how John prepares for it, um, so he, he's in the wilderness, he wears clothes woven from coarse camel hair, a leather belt round his waist, and for food he ate locusts and wild honey. I don't know about you, but if he tried to get my family together, they wouldn't be interested. There is a sense that John has a calling, and that's what comes first. That's what he's going to do, no matter what. And it's not a comfortable one. It's not even a pleasant one. So if you look at Luke's Gospel where you have this story told in a bit more detail, you hear him say to people, repent! Turn away, repent, be baptised. 
and specific groups saying, but, but okay, you say repent. What, what, what do we do? And so he says to the tax collectors, stop cheating people. Only collect the amount you're meant to collect. Do the job properly. The soldiers say, well, what about us? So quit complaining about every aspect of your job and be fair to other people. So John had specific things to say to specific people. Repent. Get your heart ready to meet Jesus. And then when Jesus comes, John doesn't go and join Jesus, say, oh, Jesus, I've got everything ready for you. He says, look, there he is. And so blessed, Andrew, one of the tw- who becomes one of Jesus' 12 disciples, has followed John everywhere. Hung on John's every word. John says, that's the one I was telling you about. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Andrew says, see ya. Leaves John and goes and follows Jesus. Now the difficulty for us is that there is so much pressure around Christmas. Everyone's, emo- everyone's got memories of it. Uh, everyone has emotions that are brought up by Christmas, either by having a holiday and being able to stop work, uh, or because uh, it's a time to, um, to be together, to be with family. Um, or, Ali, could you just reconnect Erica for me, please? Thank you. Um, there's all sorts of things involved. And so we get drawn into it. And it's, it's right to be loving. It's right that when we talk about where the tailors have Christmas, we think about what my sister-in-law wants, we think about my dad, for whom it's not Christmas unless it's at his house in Golders Green, and we work between them, say, no, no, we love all of you, let's work out how all of us do this, and we, we do this together. That's right and good, but it's not our priority. Our priority in all of this is that God is coming. Prepare the way for the Lord. Now, I was thinking about this this morning, because obviously with all the snow and the ice, uh, there are individuals, particularly at nine o'clock, who looked outside this morning and thought, there's no way I'm going out in that. And it's sensible. You don't want to slip over. That, That makes perfect sense. But... I was, when we're trying to get rid of this snow and ice, you're thinking, oh, prepare the way. And it really hit me. No! That's not right. When we say prepare the way for the Lord, it's not that God can't get out of his house, that he's waiting for us to grit his front path, go knock on his door and offer him an arm to lean on as he hobbles up to come and see us. He's coming on the clouds. He's coming in power. He does not need us to make a way for him physically. But we are to prepare ourselves and other people so when they see Jesus, they forget about us and they go see Jesus. Because it's not about us, just like it's not about John. It's about Jesus. Now the difficulty with that is John didn't spend his time in the desert saying, the one who's coming 
is fantastic. He'll solve all your problems. He'll heal you. He'll give you forgiveness. He'll teach you. You really want to look out for him. John didn't talk about the good stuff of Jesus at all. He said, repent. Turn around. Live differently. Stop sinning. Stop doing the stuff you're doing. And that's the call for us too. We are called not just to say to other people, Jesus is really nice. You'd like him if you knew him. We are called, when we see parts of our society, our community, running along lines which do not fit the kingdom of God, it's our job to call that out and say, repent, stop that, that is not okay. That's not all right. People are being hurt and you don't seem to realise. I love that there is a video being made by the developers of the place down by... um, Northfield site, yeah, yeah, behind the Ace Cafe, thank you. Um, yes, there, thank you if I'm pointing the wrong way. Bless you, I love this church. Um, and I got to see a, a copy they'd sent to Ali of the people they've invited to speak and say what they think about the process. Half of them are from St James. Half of them are people from St James who've gotten involved and said, you're building flats. Great. Are you thinking about the community? Are you putting things in place for people? Are you making this better? Or are you creating more problems? Are you thinking about people? Or just about money? I'm so proud watching that, that St James is a bit of a thorn in people's side. I love Mount Pleasant with the gym equipment and the flower beds. It came about because people from St James went over there. There was a public meeting and people from here stamped their feet and said, kids in this area have nowhere to play and you've just dumped all this earth here and made it wrong. Because one person complained about cricket. And people said, repent, Brent Council, repent, undo it. And the council wouldn't, and so there was this long involved process which involves a committee and a chair and a treasurer and all sorts of boring stuff. But people have pushed through and it is different. It is better. Because people at St James have said to the community around us, repent. Do it differently. Think about people. This is our calling. It's not that we wear sandwich boards and write repent on it and march up and down Ealing Road. That's not how it works. People don't listen to that. We have to be wise about how we speak to people. But the message is still the same. God has these standards. We are going to be judged by God. And when we speak up for people and for those who are oppressed, those who are suffering, those with power might start thinking which means when Jesus comes they might have been prepared a little bit to think about things his way to think about justice to think about mercy, to think about compassion unless we speak up they are not prepared they will meet Jesus and they will be flawed, there is no hope 
So yes, we tell people that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that they can have forgiveness, they can have eternal life. Of course we do. But actually, we also have a role to play in telling society to repent, to look at God's values, to think about people, to think about people as God thinks about people, people who are precious and valuable and loved. So last nine o'clock, when was the last time that you wrote to your MP? When was the last time that you challenged something? When was the last time you stood up for something in your workplace? Now I'm saying that, knowing there are people here who have done that. We prayed for Martha as she was going to her union meetings to protest to get about equal pay um, because the men are paid so much more than the women. We prayed for her as she was helping those who were faced with redundancy. There are any number of situations where people have stood up from St James and said, this isn't okay. And so when you recognise yourself in what I'm saying, feel blessed. You have done what God has asked you to do. But you don't get to retire, you don't get to stop. You keep going, we keep going. And we don't do it as individuals, we do it as a family. We do it as God's people together. Because together we are more effective. I'm going to stop preaching because I feel like I'm way up in my soapbox now. Christmas is coming. Christmas is to be enjoyed. It's all good. But actually we have more to do, more to organise, more to think about than just having the perfect family Christmas. God's vision is bigger and he wants our vision to be bigger too. Let's pray.